Hey everyone and welcome to my new episode here at A Girl Talks Podcast. First of all, I really want to thank you for checking out all my episodes. I really do enjoy sharing my thoughts and feelings about topics that matter not only to me but for those that share similar interests or are curious to engage in further conversation or thought about topics that are happening here and around the world. Um, In this episode, I am going to be as vulnerable as I can be, be as open and honest as I always have been, and um, share with you my journey, my decision, and my choice. First, I want to thank RMA Networks. Um, They are a fertility clinic that I reached out to amongst some of the few that I reached out, and um, they were actually the first ones to correspond back a few people took a week or a couple days uh later um but that's not the only reason why i'm actually working with rma the collaboration happened mostly because i shared a few prospects with one of my friends and she told me that her sister had um done her egg freezing at rma and had nothing but great and remarkable things to say with that i felt safe and confident to move forward with them and i politely uh, declined everybody else that then followed with interest in collaborating i have to say that the egg freezing process is not a cheap one um and sadly most if not a lot of insurance do not cover the cost of medications or even the test or labs because it is considered an elective selective procedure i know it sounds really unfair and hopefully with more advocates um, we will be walking forward to a better direction um, I'm, I'm sharing this podcast i'm sharing this whole experience with the main focus on reminding women that this is your body this is your choice and this is your right i know that i've been getting a remarkable amount of support and uh surprisingly you know some hate but not not a lot and i feel that the support is higher than expected because times are changing and there are more women, more partners that are openly discussing their struggles with infertility. Uh, For me, if this is the first time you're following me and my story, um, I have had a series of relationships that were no good, uh, led me to really, really doing a lot of work um, not that long ago two years ago feels like yesterday to me um i experienced a breakup Uh, i experienced what everybody else was experiencing the pandemic and my life was definitely uh, brought upside down i had been in a relationship where we were seriously talking about extending our family and having uh, a child of our own Um, my partner at the time uh, transgender man openly out there um was able to 
create an opportunity that would allow us both to be a parent to our child with a sperm donor. Sadly, uh, that did not happen. And it was devastating. You know, breakups are always hard, uh, especially when, when, when plans are made. But they're especially harder when you're in your mid-late 30s and, and, and the life that you built and the, and the direction you were going now suddenly comes to an end and it is over. Um, I didn't see myself at that age uh, experiencing a breakup. I, I, I didn't see myself having to start over and be alone. And, and I definitely didn't know how to navigate through a pandemic while healing and also learning to get back into the world and and dating and what that looked like and what that would feel like um there were so many questions the only thing that i did know prior to my breakup was that i was going to start a family and it was something that i had been waiting for and talking about and planning and it was no longer a reality for me and i remember sitting there in my thoughts because that's all we could do during that time and talking to my therapist and just looking for a direction, an idea, a sign of hope. And it was very interesting because I did not think about it on my own, possibly because I was just going through a roller coaster of emotions. But clarity and sound came through when my therapist said, Jasenia, you are going to do this with someone via a sperm donor because they could not produce sperm obviously transitioning from a female to a male that's the only option we had in terms of uh having a child together um and she was like take the pressure off from trying to find somebody and find yourself take the pressure of finding someone that can father your child and be in your life and and, and work on what it is you can work on. And I realized that she was completely correct. You know, rather than feel like I was racing against the clock, I finally had a sense of relief. And I sat in my thoughts for a while and considered when would be a good time to actually go about this direction to freeze my eggs. I wasn't ready to, to get a sperm donor and, and do it that way. I, I definitely wasn't. I wanted to work on myself. I wanted to take my time. I didn't want to feel any pressures, especially with society. And, and, and it's so interesting how TikTok will, uh, will make you or try to make you feel guilty for um, being a single independent woman that has never been married with no kids at the age that I was first presenting myself at 35 versus a 35-year-old man who would be single, never married, and no kids being considered smart. For some reason, women on various platforms and in society are frowned upon as if there was something wrong with us and there's absolutely nothing wrong with us you know i wish that i would have gotten my eggs frozen sooner um i only say this because i'll walk through this whole thing 
um, as we go into this podcast. But first, I just want to say that it's not talked about enough, especially in the Latino culture and especially in our society where men are trying to dictate what we can or cannot do with our own bodies. It's 2022 and I still can't believe that there are uh, people that are trying to create laws on on what women's choices are and what rights we have um this is a perfect time to speak up and speak loud and for me um i decided that at 35 i wanted to be a mom but not at that age i also knew that if i wanted to get my eggs frozen i'd have to start saving some money During the pandemic, it was a lot harder to get work because life was standstill. However, I was able to get through it successfully and be at a place where I am financially secure now. Um, That being said, I gave myself a window, a window of purely focusing on myself, on traveling, on self-care, on learning all the lessons that the universe has wanted me to learn and to accept all the gifts that that my creator has given me and I gave myself two years and I said in two years Jasenia you will get your eggs frozen and then after that you will get to choose when you're ready to have a child whether it's as a single parent or if and when you have a partner who is ready And that definitely is such an empowering sense, that feeling of I get to say that this is the moment that I will retrieve my eggs, I will get the healthiest, the best batch of eggs that I can at this given age so that when I'm ready, I can then decide when to be a mom. And it is a very empowering decision. And as someone who has survived trauma, this was also very healing for me. In my early 20s, I fell victim of domestic violence. I also experienced a miscarriage that was caused by my abuser. And instead of having a doctor see me and getting medical attention, my abuser wanted to keep this secret and conceal the miscarriage. He rationalized that if I got pregnant within the week or two after, or even a month, that we could hide and disguise the miscarriage of the first baby. That's not really how the body works, especially that's not how my body took it. Um, the body needs to get a DNC. The body needs to rest and recover. And instead of resting and recovering, I was forced upon over and over and over again by him in hopes of getting me pregnant. And each and every time he failed, the more frustrated he got and the harsher the abuse was, not physically because there was definitely a moment that I could numb myself from it but mentally and emotionally it was it was definitely destroying me I had no idea that all of what 
he put me through physically in terms of sex was creating all this trauma within my womb, my uterus, my walls, my tubes. There was lots of scarring. There was lots of calcification. And let's just say, when that relationship ended, I was definitely relieved to not have been not been able to carry a child with him. Uh, to think of raising a child with him in my life, either as my partner or as an ex, would have just been so painful for me um, mentally and that was not part of God's plan. I did get pregnant a little over a year later. I jumped into a relationship and uh, almost immediately um, things got very serious and uh, I was on the ring and I got pregnant and I remember my feeling being so uh, so serene you know, when I first found out I got pregnant by my abuser, I was mortified. But in this situation, it was like a very like surreal, serene, a combination of those two. Um, and the moment that I found out about a month later when I was being rushed to the ER that this was an atopic pregnancy that required emergency surgery, a lot of things were triggering me to, to think about, oh my God, you know, had I not been in this abusive relationship, I wouldn't have been going through this. And oh my God, I'd be having a child right now. And it, it, it stripped me away from this joy that I had expecting to be a mom with a decent human being who at the time loved me and I loved them. And I could see that if it didn't work out, we could be great co-parents to a child however um, this pregnancy was not a normal one it was etopic and um, the doctor that that was on call happened to be my gynecologist because for those that don't know I used to work at the at the hospital so um, we kind of stayed within the, uh, the cluster of our system and um, my gynecologist worked at my hospital and had his own private practice outside he was called in to see me because they saw his name as my regular GYN. And um, I, I, I didn't know how to explain what happened with my pregnancy prior. I couldn't even speak. All I was more, more focused on was, what are we going to do to save this baby? What are we going to do? And it wasn't until I woke up that he showed me how bad my insides looked. And it wasn't until he explained to me that had this pregnancy not happened, that it would have worsened as the years went by. And it could have possibly, and if not more than likely, um, caused my ovarian flow to stop and my ovaries to wither away and not have eggs. So he tried in all of his best to make me feel better. I was in my early 30s at that time and I just, I felt so much disappointment because I now knew that for me, pregnancy would be complicated. My doctor told me that I would be a high risk of another topic pregnancy and even possibly a miscarriage and that in order to avoid it being a topic or having it get to the point where it could be dangerous and having an emergency surgery that if I wanted to get pregnant 
I would have to get off birth control. I would have to plan it and not it be a my partner and me decision, but my partner, me, and the doctor. And that made me so sad because I really just, I really wanted to just give my mom and my dad a grandchild. And and, and not that they don't already have grandkids, they do. Um, One of the things women, especially women whose parents or family are immigrants, and we are first generation, we get that cultural uh, pressure, especially on top of what we already deal with here living in the United States of where, you know, you want to go to college, you want to get married, you want to get the house, you know, white picket fence, have children, 1.5, you know, and, and you know, you mesh those two cultures and you're kind of like, wow, am, has this boat sailed for me? And, um, you know, what I endured, I was just afraid, too afraid to have to face that again. So I just jumped back on oral pill versus the ring because I just did not want to get pregnant. I, I, there were things that I wanted to still do. There were, there were, there were things that I needed to get done. And, and I guess I was just also running away, right? Running away from, from having to face the likelihood of me possibly having another topic or even a miscarriage. I just didn't want that. I didn't want it. Um, and in these type of situations, relationships get stronger or they break. And it definitely did bring us together um, at a moment. But I, I, di- I didn't, I didn't want to have kids at that time. And I think that me verbalizing that really loudly affected my partner and not to say that he was ready to be a dad like yesterday i think that it it also triggered some fears and concerns about the likelihood of having a normal pregnancy and i'm not saying that that's why my relationship ended but i will say that that's why i was strongly adamant against getting pregnant i was so focused on my career i was so focused on just work that's all i was not even self-development like i just put everything under the rug and i just muted everything from the outside world and i just stayed focused on me and and i'm grateful that i did because it allowed me to um, rebuild my brand for those that don't know or do recall after my abusive relationship I lost millions and millions and millions of followers because my abuser uh, wanted me back and I refused to go back and they just went into my accounts, changed my passwords, did all these things. And yes, I managed to save a ton um, off my Facebook and yes, I was able to um, get a couple of pages back and restored, but never in my numbers, never those numbers and it's a lot harder now. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and for me, I, I just kept telling my mom, you know, like, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. I don't want to have kids. I don't want to ruin my body. But deep down inside, there was this huge question mark. And it wasn't until my relationship that followed after that, which was my last, which was the breakup I experienced in the pandemic, that I saw life differently. Um, I, I, I really just... I cannot even call it a biological clock. I don't think there is such thing. I think that when you are at a point in your life 
where you feel stability and you feel support and where there is love, you know, you just want to multiply that into something. And um, I remember being open and vulnerable with them and just telling them about my past and telling them about my concerns. And um, and, and I remember uh, they had mentioned possibly getting off their hormones and, and getting their egg and having a sperm and me carry it. And I said, listen, I'll do that after we figure this thing out with my situation. And um, it's if it wasn't for this non-traditional relationship that I had with this incredible human, um, I might not have never thought of these options. I would have never known of all these things. And um, it's it's incredible how life happens as it's supposed to, right? And I, I, wish, I wish I knew more about this, about options of infertility, of options of um, motherhood at a younger age, especially even after me experienced my atopic. I wish my doctor would have said, hey, you know what? Maybe we should consider freezing your eggs you know, you're healthy, you're producing really good quality, um, there's a lot of eggs to be picked from, and I only say this because now at 30, 37, I had to think about that for a moment, wow, yeah, I'll be 38 in September, I realized and I'm being told that after 35, you know, the quality of your eggs drop each and every year after that. And well, I'm a little far past 35 now, and it is very possible and more likely that I, I might have to do two cycles of my egg retrieval. And um, that is uh, heartbreaking to me because I kind of want to just get this done and over with, but it'll be more of an empowering decision to continue a second cycle and move forward because the ideal amount of eggs that you want to freeze are in the double digits and you want to make sure that they're all mature, good quality eggs. And um, if I'm going to have to do that, then that's a process that I'll have to go and do. Um, speaking of the process, I want to share with you uh, what that's looked like and how that's been. I'm going to talk to you about the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs um and no woman is exactly the same it's all individual and this is my personal experience and i'm happy to share i at first thought it was a simple procedure i thought okay if there are any medications that i have to take then i'm just gonna have to take that for the course necessary and then boop, we'll suck those eggs out um, I honestly, let me retract. I had no idea that they would suck out eggs. I really didn't have a clue on how they removed the eggs. Um, I didn't know if they opened you up. I didn't know if they went through the belly button. Um, and I, and I only thought about the belly button because prior to cutting me open during my, endo, uh, my epitopic pregnancy, um, they went and tried to do it through my belly button. So I, there was just, I was clueless. I, I, I decided not to do the research and learn as I went as soon as I was ready because me 
looking too far into it and too deep into it let's be real we know how google can be google could have some good stuff some bad stuff and some stuff that just completely scares you away and because i needed time and time to focus on myself i didn't want to prematurely freak myself out and freak myself from not doing it so i'm glad that i didn't do the research two years ago i'm even happier that i didn't do the research um, the moment that um, I scheduled uh, my consultation with RMA, um, mainly because there are a lot of things that can happen and it's all variable, but the things that I did read were kind of freaking me out. And um, one thing I didn't know was that you had to get an assessment first. And the assessment is, is sort of the thing that a lot of people who are afraid of doctors, right, or dentists do. They're they're avoiding bad news. And and for me in my history, you know, my history is like, hey, it's gonna be complicated. Hey, you had an atopic pregnancy. Hey, you had a miscarriage. Hey, you have scarring. Hey, we, we reconstructed your tubes, but there's no guarantee. I just, I, I think most of what I've been doing is running away, right? From from finding out, can I have kids? So learning that there was an assessment, it was too late for me to even turn back. I, I had to commit, um, especially because everything was already dotted and the T's were already crossed. And um, I had to pretty much go in. Um, I went to the Baskin Ridge office gorgeous the ride there beautiful um and all i could think of is there is no turning back no turning back and i'm proud that i didn't turn back um i had blood work done and then i had an ultrasound done so initially this assessment happens to give you an overview an overview of your fertility health um, to know how fertile you are, how many eggs uh, you're possibly able to produce in a cycle, and whether there are any issues that might be underlined uh, in terms of your health in the fertility realm of it all. Um, and I just, I was just like, oh my god, what if I'm not a candidate? Like, I literally, like, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew going in there. And then I was just like, okay, what if this is a bust? What if I'm too late? What if all these things? And the one thing that the staff and my doctor, Dr. Drews, uh, reassured me is that regardless of the number, there could always be multiple cycles depending on uh, your mental capacity and your financial ability. Um, of course, there is a certain age where it you may need more than the, than 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 what's even possible, and then and only then will uh, the staff be completely honest and tell their client that it is not feasible or possible. Um, with my results, they were able to tell me that my eggs were they were on and popping I, I i i my one ovary made less than my other and i was actually really surprised by that because i had my 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 most complicated uh fallopian tube i recall it being my left tube 
and my right not so much but both were reconstructed so we went in there believing that um that the left would have more issues in terms of you know uh producing eggs and the right being being the one that was going to hold you know and carry the weight um to our surprise it was the opposite the left had more eggs than my right and uh, the good thing that Dr. Drews told me and the good thing that RMA staff uh, reassured me is that there have been women out there with just one ovary and they were able to get all the eggs they needed, whether it was the first cycle, two cycles, or three cycles. So that made me feel great because I know that I have two good ovaries that were just doing what they were supposed to be doing. With that being reassured um, the next conversation was to schedule when to start this we had to wait until the first day of my next cycle i had been traveling a lot um if those that have been following me on social media you know that i also had uh this whole other journey with my tuberous breast it's a genetic deformity um and long story short i had to travel to texas to get that done and it's wild because prior to my travel i got my period and the day after my revision and my surgery um, with Dr. Johnny Franco over in Austin, Texas, um, I ended up getting a new menstrual cycle. And so I, I menstruated twice in that month. And that completely threw me off because um, I did have uh, an order of the pill, which is very interesting that they put you on birth control on the pill for X amount of days um, while monitoring you to see when is a, the perfect time for you to start administering the medication for your cycle of egg freezing. Um, but I obviously couldn't take it, uh, cause I didn't have my, my birth control pill with me. And even if I did, I wouldn't have been able to even take it or start it because I would have then had to get checked every so often and monitored. And I was in a whole different state. So when I finally got back after being out for two weeks, um, I also had to be conscious on recovering and making sure that my body was healthy. Um, and, and, and knowing that surgery is a impacts your body, impacts everything. And um, I ended up getting my next cycle instead of when I calculated it, it came about two and a half weeks late. And that also threw me off on my planning on getting my eggs frozen because I, I missed it. I, I was out <laughs> and I, I, I wasn't out of state, but I was definitely out of town and I did not have the pill with me. So I knew to carry the pill with me if I was going to be in New Jersey. I was like, okay, we're not missing this next cycle. And as soon as we did um, get to the next cycle, I immediately called my nurse and she told me to get on the pill. And um, she told me that she wanted me to get my lab work and all that good stuff done um, in three days. And in terms of the monitoring time, you know, I'm, I'm a night owl, but I'm also a morning bird. But when I say that, I'm a night owl, I'll typically fall asleep anywhere from 2, 3 a.m. And I'm working and I wake up at 7, 8, 9, depending on how late, you know, I, 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 I went and clocked out. Um, also, because I have a dog, my fur baby, and she can't go past nine. <laughs> so 
waking up at 5.30 to make a 6 a.m. appointment or waking up at 6 a.m. to even make a 6.37 a.m. appointment was definitely hard. And I, I, I was worried about whether that would uh, play a toll on my body um, and my mind. And I just was very concerned about that. Um, and as soon as I was on my 10th day, and I had already uh, probably gotten checked two or three times at, with lab work and ultrasound, that my nurse called me and gave me the exciting news. She told me that um, my Dr. Drews uh, said that I could start my, my, my cycle medication for, for my egg freezing process. And that's when um, I called the pharmacy and the pharmacy is outside of the fertility clinic. They're not in relation with RMA. And um, I was I was expecting the cost to be anywhere between 3,000, maybe like 3,500. Um, it was a little over 4,000. And I just didn't know it was gonna be as expensive um, as that. And, and what they don't really tell you because it's really hard to gauge because again every woman's different and your body's different it reacts differently is that the number that you're initially quoted with may not be enough to last you during your egg freezing cycle you know i had to reorder my medication um one other time and for me my total was roughly close to five thousand dollars and it's I know it sounds like a lot and and trust me for the women that are doing this alone so much kudos to you um because it is it is it is a lot you know it's a lot to drop at one moment because uh, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow but you do know that with this you are guaranteeing your future right um and in terms of of the amount dosage that was left off from my folistum, um, it was it was said that there could be enough in the four packages if I added up all of them. But honestly, I made a conscious decision and I said, you know what, I don't want to inject 150 folistum four times in my body just to add up to 600 and it still may not be like the exact 600. It might be short. It might be even 10 units short, and I don't want to risk it. i rather just order in what I need, and let's do it. And um, we had to order in uh, an extra cartridge of Folliston, and um, that was 600 units that I didn't have to worry about. That those that was exactly what I'd be administering. Um, and that one, that one medication cost me over 500, and I opted to pick it up. One, mainly because um, the carrier was already out and couldn't deliver it and I needed it for that day. Mind you, that stressed me out a lot, but I calmed myself down because I knew that I had enough time. One, it was early enough uh, when my nurse told me and two, my shots, I wasn't taking my shots till the later evening and I did it every day um, at seven. And for me, uh, doing it at this time was really significant because I was able to do it while the sun was setting and look out the window and take deep breaths and just it just it was very very relaxing and um, if, if you could do this and if you're doing this on your own I just want to emphasize that for someone that has never um, 
drawn up medication, don't freak out. You know, I've had practice in nursing school. I've had practice working at the hospital in the psychiatric crisis, nonetheless. Um, so I, I felt very confident in administering medication in terms of, um, I'm sorry, I felt confident in drawing the medication in terms of giving it. Oh, yeah, I could always give it to anybody. But giving it to myself was something that I had to face. And it was a fear that I had developed. I didn't know how painful it would be and if it, if, if, if I could do it myself. And I remember only at this moment, at this given moment, I started to YouTube um, things just to read about, hear about uh, people's experiences with the medication in terms of how it felt. And um, a lot of women that I saw uh, were making these really crazy exaggerated faces and i think that that's only because it's the action it's the act of injecting you and the small second the initial moment of when the needle is piercing your 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 skin not so much that it is painful it's more like a mind-blowing like oh my god am i really am i really am i really just sticking a needle in my body oh my god like the idea is more uh than the actual pain that you're feeling um of course it feels like a prick i'm not gonna say that it doesn't it's not painful um i think that the the medication itself um it does burn uh there was for me the one that surprised me the most was my low hcg um so initially i was on folliston and on my low HCG, and both uh, I had fridged. Uh, the Falastin, you're not really required to have it refrigerated. Um, you could leave that at room temperature, but because I live on like the third floor and heat rises, and, I, and when I'm not home, I don't leave the AC running, um, I just thought it'd be best to keep it in the fridge. Um, but the low HCG uh, required it to be refrigerated, and so, the first time I administered my medication, um, they both felt very uncomfortable, but the second time around, um, less, if at all, um, because I took it out 15 minutes before uh, I was going to inject myself or draw it out. Um, doing that uh, really makes the the medication uh, more comfortable and 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 capable of of going in. F- nice and steady with no like constricted pressure that you're fighting against or anything like that speaking of constricted pressure and fighting against um uh, the motion of things i have to tell you about one other test that i i did once i did the assessment um and everything looked good because of my history of my atopic pregnancy and because of my, um, my, my, my reconstructive surgery on both of my tubes and being aware of all that, um, Dr. Drews wanted to see what my ovarian flow looked like and also what, my, um, what, what the tubes were looking like. So I was um, prescribed to get an H. SG examination, which is um, a test where they inject dye up your uterus 
and up to your fallopian, fallopian tubes to see uh, the clarity of your tubes and in there you could also see all the other stuff like your eggs and your ovaries and um, that's when we saw the, the, the semi blockage on one of the tubes and the other one um, not as blocked or obstructed if at all and um, let me just say that was the most painful thing uh, mind you I took this test after I was given the good news about being a good candidate for my egg freezing. And I took this before my medication cycle was going to be, you know, prescribed to me. And in that given moment at that table, I just screamed and I said, I don't think I could do this because the amount of pain, mind you, I have a great pain threshold that I experienced at that time just totally instilled the fear of God in me and the doctor and the nurse that was there in the room with me you know comforted me and told me listen we're so proud of you for just being able to do this I was instructed four Tylenols shame on me I only took two because I'm like yeah I have a strong threshold no listen to your doctor listen to your nurse take the four Tylenol or whatever it is that they tell you to take um it'll be more pleasant and um and I was able to get through it and they reassured me like listen when it comes to labor and delivery you'll be on medications there'll be epidurals this is what you're feeling right now is like 10 times worse of what you would be feeling in a controlled setting um and and that definitely reassured me because I, I was I was like oh my god if this is what childbirth and delivery is like I don't think I could do it I, I literally was just so frightened but I just wanted to touch upon that not every woman has to have this test but based on my history I had to so back onto the medication it is very overwhelming you get this huge box and it's got needles it's got pens it's got syringes it's got medications in different boxes it's got kits it's got you know uh the waste kit it's got so many things and you're like what um the company that shipped my uh medication also the pharmaceutical company is called shrafts and um they are also located here in new jersey so remember when i told you i had to pick up an extra dose of my folistin rather than have them uh, ship it to me uh, uh, emergency because that was an option because the carrier had already left and I would be obviously I needed it for that day but if I needed it for an emergency it would have cost me a couple hundred dollars more and I was like I'll just take the 30 minute drive and pick it up so I picked it up and I administered it and um, we were able to the next day I, I got my blood work done and that is when my nurse called me and said hey Dr. Drew's said that it is time to schedule your trigger shot and I first I was like oh my god thank you Jesus I don't have to pay another $500 out of pocket for another 600 units of Folistum and have to go pick it up um but then as that process through the real process through happened it was like wait a minute we have to do what like we we, we the, the trigger shot <gasps> Oh my God, we're finally here. I, I kid you not. Like the process felt long each and every day. But the moment you get that notice of your trigger shot, you're like, wait, I'm not ready. I thought we had, I thought we had more time. You know, I thought we had more time. And um, the fact of the matter is that my body reacted in a way that 
allowed me to bump the process just a little bit sooner than what we thought. See, when you think about trigger shot, you're like, oh my God, what is this going to do? Well, it literally triggers your ovaries to tell the eggs that it's time to, you know, go. Bye-bye. Um, but all the other medications that you're on prior, um, it's intended to fertilize, to multiply, to enlarge your egg follicles and improve uh, your egg count. Um, now, with your shot, when you say trigger shot, you're thinking you're only going to give yourself one shot. There's actually another shot that you have to do. And with that one, interestingly enough, you're probably going to freak yourself out because it's like this huge needle that is only there so that you can um, mix the liquid amount to the dry solution of the medication, swirl it, mix it, then draw it out, and then you change the syringe, the needle, um, to a intramuscular needle, which is what you've been shooting yourself uh, throughout the whole entire cycle. And um, it's relatively the same. You just have to shoot in the abdominal area. Um, when you get these medications, I, I want to stress that you will be guided on how to draw and administer this because the pharmacy will set up a zoom call where they also then send you a copy of it so if you ever need to go back to you know looking at it as a resource or honestly youtube is also really good um they provide a lot of great video steps that are easy to understand, easy to follow. So don't worry in terms of that. One thing I will stress and remind you is to read the packages carefully because some medication requires it to be refrigerated, others not, and then others have to be refrigerated um, after they're open. And I actually, it's so interesting that I went through my whole cycle with just feeling confident and getting it through because the more you do it the more habitual it becomes and the less scary it is and it wasn't until the night of my trigger shot which kind of threw me off a little bit because I normally my routine is seven o'clock but this was 10 40 p.m and it was directed to me specifically by my nurse that was specifically told by my doctor and the pressure of it having to be exactly at 10 40 not 10 o'clock not 10 30 but 10 40 p.m she was like, give yourself anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes to prep everything. And that also makes you feel a little nervous. But I just want to stress that once you do open the vial, your trigger shot, yes, the pharmacy will tell you um, that it's okay to not have had it refrigerated overnight. Um, because that is that one medication that does not need to be refrigerated when you first get it but apparently on the box in yellow which i missed and it wasn't big it was a small little yellow yellow uh label that said refrigerate after open i didn't and i called my nurse i couldn't get through her so i called the pharmacy and they told me that it was safe but just 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 i'm just saying you know just read the labels just read the labels you won't be freaking out and i did administer Today, my my last units, it was 40 units of my trigger shot at 10.40 a.m. on the dot. Um, and earlier today, I got my lab work done. And actually, not that long ago, my nurse and RMA Network told me that everything looked like it was going exactly as need be. And surprise, 
you know, we are having surgery for sure tomorrow. I have to get there an hour before my surgery time schedule and I was instructed to not eat any time before midnight. It is surgery, but it's not invasive. What does that mean? It's surgery where they will put me down, they will put me under, um, but they are not opening me up, they are not stitching, they're not cutting anything. Along with my notes is that they told me that all of this bloating that I developed um, will go away as soon as my next menstrual cycle. Um, they told me that I couldn't wear any makeup, I couldn't wear any perfume, no scented lotions. Apparently, eggs are very sensitive to scents. Um, that, that really blew my mind. <laughs> so now I'm probably going to avoid using anything scented down there just because I don't want it to mess up my eggs. I'll do more homework about it and, and I'll let y'all know more about that. But as for tomorrow, no lotion, no scented things. Um, I can't eat after midnight, like I mentioned. Nothing in the morning before my procedure. And they told me that once I'm up, I can go back home and just rest for that day and then, you know, go about my life the next day. So here's what I suggest for you to have for when you get back home from surgery. I've had multiple surgeries with my breast, so I'm kind of like a pro when it comes to this. So take my advice or not, but Gatorade is a really great solution for fluid and electrolytes um obviously i go for gatorade zero um there's also coconut water uh again i gravitate to gatorade zero because there's no sugar and no other extra calories related to sugar and it's for me i feel like it's a healthier option um but they also do have hydration packets um when it comes to finding out how many mature eggs I have I won't know until the next day and you know I'm recording this I initially started this podcast and I recorded it last week but the way things were moving so fast I said you know what let me just chop come in because I, I have a feeling I'm going to have surgery soon and I rather just lay out one solid podcast to show and talk about my whole experience you know when it came to the medications um yes my emotions were fluctuating up and down so was my body water retention up and down um i would have to compare it some days were just a really bad menstrual cycle feeling for those that have had pms other I would have to say I might have gotten a slight glimpse of what pregnancy may look like and feel. Um, and and I'm just so proud of the, the body, of what the human body can do, especially the female body, and how resilient and how strong it is and what it's capable of doing to make sure it gets what needs to get done, done. In terms of how I'm feeling, I am feeling both excited and nervous. Of course, I just want this to be done and I want this to be done as it's supposed to. I am going with the mentality of possibly getting a second cycle done because of my age and I know how this whole egg situation is situated and I don't want to have false expectations. Um, would I be ecstatic to hear that we got it in the double digits and that I won't need a second cycle in surgery? Absolutely. But God willing, 
everything is going to go well everything's gonna go as should and i am extremely happy about this um i honestly i wish that there was an option like i know that people are like oh you know in terms of your eggs when you're filling out the documentations what to do in case you know like the worst thing right like a fatality well you know, some people don't have a living will. And for me, my living will, my living wishes would be that if God forbid something were to happen to me, I want you to use my eggs. I want you to use my eggs, find a sperm donor and give my parents the grandchild child that they so badly want and the extra kid that my brother and his wife want so badly. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to be morbid, not at all. Um, but I feel like in terms of something like this, I think that, you know, if there is a partner, if there is a family member, they should be able to contribute in this decision and making the patient's wishes come to light. Um, again, I think that like a living testimony might have the specifics of covering all that, but I just want to say I am so grateful for having my parents. Um, they have helped me tremendously. Um, I juggle a full-time job as an entrepreneur and, you know, I have a dog that's like a baby 24-7 and they've helped watch her. They've helped make me my dinner. Obviously, I've been very um, conscious of how and what I eat, making sure that it's good, good for my eggs, good for my system. Um, I've, someone who has struggled with weight, their whole entire life, I had to really make amends with moving forward and knowing that I would put on some weight and that this was a temporary setback for a permanent uh, solution to something that I want so bad. And for anyone that's listening to this, I just want to share with you that you're not alone. And I want to make sure that you don't fall into the pressures of society and make the decision of having a child with someone you're not happy with, someone who's dangerous to be around. Um, this is your choice and there are so many options out there. Um, if I wasn't single and if I had a partner, there are options as freezing your embryo. Um, and, and in this situation, I, I'm so grateful for RMA, for facilitating this, for women that come all over to do this with them and all the successful rates and stories that they have, one of whom is uh, related to my friend. And it's so interesting how the universe and God and your creator or whoever it is that you believe in, how it all works. And I always am a firm believer that everything that happens, happens for its reasons. And I will for sure make more episodes in terms of my diet, in terms of anything that you may have, you know, curiosity on related to this whole thing. Um, I'm so happy to have been able to share with you my reasons. I'm so happy to be able to share with you everything that has happened in the last two months really from my initial assessment and my tests to me getting on the pill and doing all my uh, egg freezing medication shots um, definitely there's more under the captions under the videos that I post on my social media platform there will be a visual video on Facebook and YouTube so make sure to check that out I am Jasenia on Facebook and I'm Jasenia on YouTube. 
This is A Girl Talks, and I will see you in the next episode where we will have Dr. Drew sit down with me, and we will be having a conversation on deep questions that y'all submitted, and we will have answered for you. Take care.